But why don't we stand and welcome Gavin as he comes to bring the word today. Hey, before you take your seats, uh, do want to welcome you again. If you are new to Icon Church, really welcome you. We're going to warm welcome. But also if you're watching online, we want to welcome you this morning. Why not I pray uh, before we receive God's word uh, this morning. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we are in your presence, Lord, that you're here with us, Lord, that we're able to, to worship you, to give honour and glory to your name, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord, and I pray that we'll receive that today, Lord. Help me as I bring that and share that, Lord, that people, Lord, will just hear your voice uh, and there'll be lives changed and transformed today because what, what is spoken from your word, Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you grab your seat, say hi to somebody if you've not done it already. I know you've probably done it already, but... Um, I was so glad when I saw that the, uh, the worship team were introducing a brand new song this morning, which is called There Is Another In The Fire. Uh, my message is uh, quite a lot around that, that song. It's a song that I love and I'd heard a few weeks ago. And I've had this message on my heart for a while and I didn't realise they were going to be teaching that this morning. But I'm thankful that they are because it really does fit in well. Because my simple message to us this morning is this, that you are never alone that you are never alone. Now I know, I know for a fact that very often we feel alone. And loneliness can come to us even when we're surrounded by people, surrounded by family. We can be in a church and we can still feel alone. But I want you to know today, and my, my message is very simple, that you're not alone, that you're never alone. And as I was preparing this, I also thought about that song that's been sung this week, You'll Never Walk Alone. <laughs> There's many Liverpool fans in here. One or two. Sorry, I was told to say that. I wasn't going to say that, but somebody says, you must put that in. So I thought I'll throw that in anyway. Uh, just over a, a year ago, uh, I uh, dropped my wife off. Jane, you've already met her. Uh, I dropped her off at the airport. Uh, she was flying out to Haiti. Haiti is a place where we have a lot of our compassion children. Many people in, in Icon Church sponsor and support children and families in Haiti. And she was flying over there just over a year ago. Uh, and while I was incredibly proud of what she was about to do and excited for her that she was following the desires of her heart to be able to do that, I'd be lying if I said that her being four and a half thousand miles away didn't trouble me a little bit, though I felt a little bit uncomfortable about the fact that we were going to be apart for just over a week. Uh, I don't think she would miss me as much as I would miss her, but, uh, <laughs> but going away for me, when I've gone away or when Jane's gone away, you know, I've missed her and, you know, I, I, I don't, uh, you know, I'm not ashamed to confess that there's a bit of homesickness in me and I do miss her, even when other people are around me, you know, my kids are there. You know, and I think you'd think I'd be happy with the fact that my kids are with me, you know, and Jane's not, but, uh, <laughs> but also we were able to speak. Technology is amazing. Even from Haiti, you know, we could FaceTime, you know, uh, I'm sure many of you do that to family members around the world as well. But even with all that, you know, you can still feel alone. You can still feel loneliness. And I was reminded of this promise from Jesus from Matthew 28. And verses 19 to 20. And he was speaking to his disciples. This great commission that he was setting them off. He said this. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. 
to the very end of the age. There's a promise, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the, the age. So these verses contain what is called the Great Commission, but it's accompanied by a great promise as well. A great promise. It's a promise that makes the Great Commission possible. Because I would have thought, you know, these disciples, you know, would have been a little bit nervous. You know, they've gone through quite a lot. But Jesus was saying, he was giving them this great commission, go into the world, proclaim the good news. But the promise came as well that surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And it's a promise that that says Jesus will be with us, with you and me, always. And as I think about that verse, it, it gives me peace. And I hope it can give you peace today. Because that's my prayer, that you'll know peace in your heart and your life today, regardless of where you are, regardless of what circumstance or situation you face, I want us to know that Jesus is with us always, that he is with you always, and that you can know and enjoy a peace that the Bible says surpasses all understanding. We don't get it sometimes, but there's a peace that can come with knowing that Jesus is with you and with me. And by living our life with that understanding, I think his closeness gives us that power to, to move beyond our comfort zones, to fly to Haiti, you know, to, to do the kind of even scary stuff and, beyond, and go beyond our borders because we know that Jesus is with us and his promise is that I'm with you always. And when you feel God calling you somewhere in your life, maybe you felt that recently, understand that you don't have to have it all together or completely figured out before you begin. Sometimes it's a simple step of faith. I don't have it all. I don't understand everything, but I know that God is with me, that Jesus is with me. Sometimes we just have to trust that Jesus is near and that he will never leave us or forsake us. So his desire for you and for me is to live a bigger life. You know, and I just, I love that thought, but he doesn't expect us to do it alone. And I don't think Jesus expects us to change the world by mustering up our own strength and and bravery and courage of ourselves, in and of ourselves, I think he just simply wants us to humbly come to him and say, I need you, I need you to help me with this, but I know that you're near, and I know that you've sent your Holy Spirit to help me, uh, to to give me that strength that I need. And I believe every day is is a new opportunity for us to, to live in that reality. Every day we can realize his nearness and know for sure that Jesus is with us always. Jesus is with us always, that you are never, never alone. I want to turn to a story in the Bible about three teenagers, three Jewish teenagers, and I'm going to give you their names. I'm going to, I'm going to try not say, say their names too much because I get a bit tongue-tied when I'm saying their names, so you'll understand why, and you may have heard of these guys. Their names are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And their story happened around 3,000 years ago. It's when God's people, Israel, uh, were in uh, exile in Babylon. And the king at that time, uh, a Babylonian king called King Nebuchadnezzar, he's got a bit of a mouthful of a name as well, but uh, he had this huge image of himself, a golden idol built of himself. And he commanded that everyone must bow down to that idol at the sound of of music, possibly uh, at a daily occurrence. But if they did not bow to that idol... They were to be executed. Actually, they were to be thrown into a, a blazing furnace, the Bible says. Now, it came to light that these young teenagers, being teenagers, <laughs> were refusing to do that. They were refusing to bow down to the idol. So let's pick up the story from verse 13 of Daniel chapter 3. It says, Furious with rage, Shadrach, uh, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, 
guys, <laughs> that you do not serve <laughs> my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up. Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then that God, then what God will then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? They replied to him, <laughs> King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with them. And his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie them up and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans and other clothes were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took them. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisers, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisers crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair on their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. What an incredible story of, of God's faithfulness, that God was with them. These guys refused to bow down to the idols, to those other gods. They loved their God. They wanted to worship him and him alone. And I think their faith in what was an incredibly difficult situation brought them through that furnace, brought them through that, their faith in their God. And I think there are two really important things that we can learn from this story that helps us in our own walk with God, in moving forward in God, in, in our faith and living out our faith. See, whatever you might be facing today, whatever you might be going through, it might not be a, a fiery furnace like they faced, but it might feel pretty intense for you. And you might have that sense of fear and loneliness. But there are some things that, that we need to understand today, whatever we might be in. First of all, I think we can learn from this is they were together in the fire. They were together in the fire. They stood shoulder to shoulder. I love that thought. There was a, a sense of unity in what they were doing. Let me read those verses again in verses 16 to 18. It says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I love that thought. But even if he does not, 
you know, they still had faith in God. They still trusted that God was with them. You know, sometimes we take steps, we take bold steps knowing only two things. We know that we don't know the future and we don't know the future. We don't know what's around the corner. But secondly, we can know and trust that God is with us no matter what happens, that he is with us. And I think God is more pleased when we move forward in faith in that way, knowing that it's ultimately up to him You know, it's not up to ourselves. It's not in our own strength. It's not in our own abilities. But we're trusting God that he is with us. And what was incredibly powerful with these guys was that there was a togetherness. There was a unity in their faith. This, is, this wasn't Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego going it alone. You know, it wasn't one of them going into that fiery furnace, but they stood together. They didn't bow down together. They worshipped their God together. They went through the furnace together. They didn't go it alone. And that, for me, that, that in, cries out the fact that we're created for community. We're meant to do life together. We're not meant to, to go it alone. I think there's a battle that rages even today in our society of individualism. You know, that we, they want, people want us to do things on our own, that we're not meant to do t- things together. Even technology it separates us rather than brings us together. So many people contact each other now through social media or, or online. There's not that face-to-face connection or interaction somebody said that we're connected but we're lonelier than ever how true is that in our world and we know that God I believe intends for us for something different for us something better something more and I'm not knocking technology you know because there's like many things that, that, that are good things that are there to help us but sometimes they're a distraction as well because I think we're meant to be together face to face a face to face interaction physically together and as great as it is God I love the thought that God did did not simply send us a bible a message a written communication but God came himself in the flesh through Jesus Jesus came to earth Jesus came to be with us and it wasn't just a message but he came to us so that we might know him so that we might be saved so that we might have salvation so that through his grace his love that undeserved love and grace that we could know him but also that for all of us that know Jesus, that have come to that place of, of knowing him and salvation, that, that God has created us to be together. We're meant to be together, to experience that life together. The Bible talks about us being like living stones, being built together. That's a, a picture of the church, if you like, that God's people, that, that people that love him, that worship him, are doing life together and the church is being built together, living stones. But we're not stones that are living out on our own. You know, a building needs bricks, cement, but they're built together. We're not bricks, a lone brick out on our, on our own. But as the church is built, as the house is built, then we're built together, that God is building us together. And I love that thought. We're meant to be together. We're, I believe God has called us to be together. Psalm 92 verse 13 talks about the church in this incredible way. It says, planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. And I believe church is a place where we can grow together, where we can flourish together, where we're meant to do life together. And just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we can stand shoulder to shoulder together in our faith and in our calling that there's a unity, that we're united in our purpose. I believe we flourish and grow together. And the Bible talks about it being like a fellowship, a togetherness in sharing life together. And just read some verses from Acts 2. He's talking about the early church uh, back in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. And talking about the church, it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching 
and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is an incredible picture of the the early church, that, that, that first Christian church, which is amazing. And that word for fellowship in, in Acts 2 verse 42, the, the, the New Testament was originally written in Greek and, and the Greek word is the word koinonia, which means fellowship. And fellowship is, is an okay translation, but you know that word meant far more than just an occasional friendliness. To experience real fellowship, real ko, 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 koinonia, meant participating in something intentionally and energetically together. They were passionate about it. They wanted to be together. They wanted to do life together. And koinonia meant to be a sharer, a companion, one who is a partaker, a participant in communion. What kind of things did they experience as part of that fellowship? Well, you can read that again in verses 44 to 45. It says, all of those who had, who had believed were together and had all things in common, and they began selling their property and possessions, and were sharing them with all, as anyone might have need. Look at those words, together, something in common, they were sharing. That's the power of fellowship, that's true fellowship, when we demonstrate that genuine caring for each other. And although caring may just be an emotion, an emotion that says, I care for you, fellowship means that we take action. So it's not just words, but fellowship means we're actually doing something about it. It's our faith becoming active again. It's that love for one another becoming active. And fellowship means that we take action. And if we want to experience that true fellowship, I think we we come together. We meet together to do that. We worship together. And so much more when you read about the early church. It says that they met in the temple courts in Jerusalem. It says they met in their homes, regularly met in their homes. And, you know, we have connect groups uh, that you can sign up today for, which is quite appropriate, really. But, uh, but they're great places, again, where we can grow together in our faith and in our, in our friendships as well. Great places. They met to worship, uh, to teach, and to experience true fellowship. They ate together, which is a great thing, isn't it? Eating together, which I love that thought. And Jesus was certainly into gathering people and eating together around meals which is a powerful thing because I really believe around those times we've got stories to tell you've got a story to tell of what God has done in your life that can help somebody else and I love that and we can do that in church we can do that in small groups in our connect groups telling stories that we're there to carry one another's burdens to celebrate with one another sometimes we have to cry with with some people but sometimes we can celebrate together you know the Bible says you know mourn with those that mourn but rejoice with those that rejoice and that's what church is all about we're carrying those things together and it's true that Someone can have a faith and they can be a Christian, they can love God and not be in church. But you know, I really believe to to live that life, that effective Christian life, we're meant to do it together. We're meant to do it in community. That's where we really thrive. We don't thrive when we're out on our own, but we thrive when we're together. Another important thing is I believe hope endures in community. We can lose that sense of hope when we're on our own, but together we can encourage one another and our hope grows and it endures in community. Let me read some verses from Hebrews 10, 
verses 23 to 25, it says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who is promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. You know, the best way to cultivate hope for a long haul, for the long journey, is to be around people that are adding something into your life. You know, they're feeding that, that flame of hope, that they're fueling that. And that's through our words, through our encouragement, through like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, we're standing shoulder to shoulder. We're doing this together. We're not doing this on our own. And we're all going to have, we know we're going to have a, that point in our lives where hope wanes. Something comes along and it knocks us, knocks our encouragement and how easy it is to, to back off from coming together when we feel like that. But you know, that's when we need to gather. Get that fuel again. Get that encouragement. Get that, that, that help, that encouragement that will spur us on, as the Bible tells us. Whether that's coming together for youth on a Friday or Sunday here, or in our connect groups or in our teams. Whatever we may be doing, let's gather together. You know, it's heart and soul on Tuesday night. What a great place to come and have your heart and your soul fed by being together in church on Tuesday night, 7.30, and just to receive uh, the word and, and just to worship together. You see, remember that hope endures in community, but I think hope is extinguished in isolation. We can lose that. So fight to connect with community. Encourage those around you and allow yourself to be encouraged. Think about Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. There was a reason for their togetherness, for their fellowship. You know, first of all, there was power in that. There's power in that. And there's power in our fellowship. There's power in our togetherness. Because there's unity, there's power in unity. I love this Psalm, Psalm 133 that talks about unity. In verse 1 it says, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. And then it goes on to say, For there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. When we're together, when there's that sense of unity, just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, there's anointing, there's power to do those things that you wouldn't necessarily be able to do on your own, but in community together, you can do all kinds of things. And I love that thought. It says that the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples in the upper room in Acts 2, when they were all in one accord and in one place. Isn't it good when we're all in one accord and we're all in one place? Because that's where God's anointing, that's where God's power is. And I love that thought. This is why we value unity so much as a church and, and we fight for that. Because Jesus said every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. That's why unity is so important. Fellowship gives us that power and that power of unity. As well as there's power, there's also purpose for fellowship, for us coming together, for us standing together. And fellowship is the basis, I believe, for achieving great purposes in God. God has called us to be together, not apart. There are individual purposes that we can, we can pursue, but there's a great purpose that God has put before us in our hearts and in our lives if we're followers of Jesus. Jane shared it earlier on in her offering in 1 Corinthians 12 verse 12. It says, the body is a unit, though it is made up of many parts. And though all its parts are many, they form one body. And so it is with Christ. 
See, the church is the body of Christ that we're doing life together, that we need one another. You know, that there's a calling upon our lives to serve the house of God, to serve one another. And it's not just about serving a vision or an organization with some goals, but it's about serving one another, that we're here to serve one another and to serve each other. And that's so powerful that we're helping one another. And this is the basis, I think, for, for getting along with other people. It's the basis for working together as partners in fellowship. You know, the church is an amazing thing because we're so different so diverse that God has brought us together I'm sure there are people in church that you wouldn't normally do life with but God has called us to be together to love one another to serve one another to bless one another to encourage one another and I love the church for that and when Jesus sent out his disciples he didn't send them out alone but he sent them out in twos and threes. And I believe that's a great picture that God wants us to do this together, to stand shoulder to shoulder together. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego were together in the fire. Let me ask you a question. Who are you standing with today? Who are you standing shoulder to shoulder with today? You know, you've, you've got somebody in your life, in your world, that you can encourage today, that you can stand with and stand shoulder to shoulder. And here at Icon Church, you know, we're standing together, soldier, sh- shoulder to shoulder. We're in this together. And I love that thought. First of all, they were together in the fire. And secondly... There was another in the fire, hence the song this morning. There was another in the fire. As well as Shadrach, Meshach Meshach and Abednego, it says there was somebody else stood with them. In Daniel chapter 3 verse 25, he said this, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. I see, I believe Jesus was with them. Jesus was in the fire with them. There were four people in there. He put three guys in there, but they could see a fourth person in there. And I believe that Jesus was with them, just as I believe Jesus is with you and Jesus is with me. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was Emmanuel, God with us. And we talk a lot about that at Christmas, but that is so true, that Jesus is God with us, literally physically came to earth to be with us. And we need to live, I believe, in that light of, of God being with us, that he's always with us, that he will never leave us. You know, in a, a crazy world that we live in with all its complexities, me saying that God is with you, that might just seem like a nice thing to say in church, something that we might feel a little bit distant from today in our daily lives. But you know, I believe that we can overcome that sense of loneliness and and powerlessness when we choose to trust Jesus, that he is with us, that he will never leave us, that we are never alone, that we can apply that to our lives. We can apply that to our lives. Come on, you believe that? Yeah. And I've just got a, a few, couple of things just to share with you about that thought that Jesus is with us, that he will never leave us as the band wanna come come up. First of all, trust that God is with you. Trust that God is with you. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego knew that God was with them. They fully trusted in him. Even if they didn't come through that fiery furnace, they knew that God was with them. They put their faith, their trust in him. So I think sometimes it's just beginning with that act of faith to trust that Jesus is actually telling the truth when he says, I will never leave you, that I will be with you always. Trust that you are not alone, that Jesus, God, you know, is in the middle of our mess and through the Holy Spirit uh, is present with us now. See, God is not distant. That means that you don't have to make some arduous quest to find God. God has already accepted you. This means that you don't have to to build up this huge pile of accomplishments to, to gain God's approval. 
God has already included you. He loves you. He's close to you. He's near you. You don't need to be an insider. You don't need to compare or compete. God loves you as you are. You are already an adopted child. You've been given an inheritance and a home. And this is all true. And I think God just wants us to to simply trust him like a, a child trusting a father to accept that, that Jesus is with us. Secondly, talk to God as if God is with you. Talk to God as if God is with you. One of the simplest ways to begin living out of that trust that we place in Jesus' words is, is how we talk to God. The way we pray shows what we believe sometimes. Do we pray as if God is somewhere far away, you know, thousands of miles away or up in the heavens, as if God might show up and he might bless me, might provide if we say or do the right things? Or do we pray as if God is present with us in our circumstances, able to lead and and provide in the here and now? Whether in our formal prayers or just our running conversations in in our minds, talk to God as if God is with you in your circumstances. Sometimes we pray for God to to show up and implies that God is distant. But instead, let's pray for eyes to see that God is at work in our circumstances, that he's not distant. Even in that, what feels like a fiery furnace, that God is at work in that moment and in that circumstances. Sometimes we pray for God to, to bless us as if God is far away, raining down favor on other people, on certain people. If only we could get in the right place, we might catch some of that. No, let's think, thank God for the circumstances that we're in, expecting that God is going to use those circumstances for our good and for the good of others. Sometimes we pray for God to be with us or with someone else. Instead, let's pray that our hearts and minds will be open, open to knowing God's presence today. Or even better, pray that someone else might experience God's presence through us today, that you can bring God's presence into somebody else's world today. Third thing, look at your life circumstances with the expectation of God being with you. God is with you. Sometimes we just need to change the story. Change the story. You know, faith is an opportunity to choose a different story. That Jesus has suggested something new, that God is with us, that he'll never leave us, that he'll always be with us. I know sometimes that's hard to see. And very often we don't see that because we're not coming from that place of of knowing that and practicing that. It's easy to discount when our heart is heavy, when our friends seem distant or unsupportive, our relationships are in a difficult place. But Jesus told us that we are no longer alone, that God is with us. And as we hold on to that idea in our hearts and our minds, we can begin to look, I believe, at our circumstances differently. Maybe today you do feel alone, whatever you might be going through today. It might feel really intense at times, just like a fiery furnace. It might be in our work, work situation. It might be in a home situation. It might be an illness. It might be in our, our finances. It might be in relationships. Whatever the situation, I wanted to tell you today that you're not alone, that you're not alone. There's an enemy's voice that wants you to think you're alone. He tells us that no one cares. No one will listen. No one will understand. And if we believe the lies of the enemy, then today's the day to stop believing that. They are lies intended to take us out, to make us stop fighting. I heard a song recently, and I'm sure you might have heard this song. It's a worship song. It says, I might feel like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. 
you might feel like you're surrounded, but you're surrounded by Jesus. And that's his promise to you. You're not alone. You have never been alone. And you will never be alone. This is what God said in Hebrews 13, verse 5. He says, I will never leave you or forsake you. He never said life was going to be easy. He never said that. Jesus never promised an easy life. But he did promise that he will never leave us. Not only is Jesus himself with us through the Holy Spirit, but you know the great thing today is that we've got each other, that we're together. And that's this power in that as well. You know, the, the most important thing is that Jesus is with us, but we are together in this. And we, as the body of Christ, as the church, can know the power of that togetherness. We don't, if you don't do anything else today, I'd love you to believe that promise from God that you're not alone, that you're not alone. Not only do you and I need to be reminded of this, but there's someone in your life that you need to remind of that promise as well, that they're not alone, that Jesus is with them. But hey, I'm with you as well. I'm standing with you in this as well. There might be things heating up in your life and you've taken a stand, but God, things just got worse. You find yourself staring down a fire like those guys, a fire like nothing you've seen before. You thought maybe God would save you from the fire. You prayed, God, save me from this, but it remains, it's still there. And if the fires of your life are threatening you, take heart. See, the miracle of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego is a miracle for you and me today. Be persuaded of this. Believe the promise so that when that pressure increases, that you'll know God's protection and promotion just like them. Don't give up. Your miracle is in the fire. See, God didn't put out the fire. He just put Jesus in there with them. And they came out with not even smelling of smoke, which is incredible. See, it's not about God stopping all the things that look bad. It's about who is in there with you. Who is in there with you? God is in there with you. We're together in the fire, but there's another in the fire. His name is Jesus. I believe that for you today. And I believe and hope that you will just receive that word today, that you're not alone, that you're never, ever alone, that Jesus is with you, but we're standing with you as well as God's people. Come on, let's stand together. Let me pray. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, I thank you for your word today, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that we can know today without a shadow of a doubt that you are standing there right beside us, Lord. Whatever we might be facing today, it might be a sense of of loneliness. It might be something really intense that we're going through, Lord. My prayer that each and every one of us this morning will just know your presence, your power at work in their lives, Lord. That they're able to go through that, whatever they're going through, with the strength and the peace and the comfort that you have stood beside them. I pray that people get a new sense of togetherness here in your church today, Lord. Maybe we've gone away and we've come back today, Lord. And we're just, we're getting that passion again, Lord, to, to know you, to serve you and to stand together with others here in church, Lord. That is also my prayer today, Lord. Thank you, God, that we're together in this. But thank you, Lord. Lord, there's another in the fire. His name is Jesus, and we give you praise and worship in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's sing this together.